You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and we are here to talk today about Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, and the Giants' big decision to move on from their 16-year starting quarterback, two-time Super Bowl MVP, Eli Manning. I have two guests on today. One, my friend Kevin Kennedy. He's here to talk all sorts of NFL stuff throughout the year, especially NFL draft, and is just a huge NFL nerd, and I mean that, extremely endearing. And then after that, I have my guy, Alec Argento, a professional New York sports fan, a guy who lives, eats, breathes, and sleeps New York sports, hardcore Giants fan, here to give you the takes you need to hear if you share those same fanhood beliefs. But we break it down from all angles, the good, the bad, the ugly, the Eli Manning career. And now, Daniel Jones taking over with Pat Shermer at the helm. What is there to look forward to? And what is there to be upset about? As we remember, Eli Manning's illustrious career with peaks and valleys, and plenty of valleys, but those peaks, they were as high as they get. Sports Blog New York Podcast, I'm Pete Kennedy, joined with Kevin Kennedy first to talk about the Giants-Jets and go around the NFL, and then lastly joined with my guy, Alec Argento, to break it down from the New York sports perspective. Stay tuned for the whole episode. We talked a lot of NFL, a lot of Giants, and everything that you need heading into week three of the NFL season. Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy here. Stay tuned, stay with us, enjoy the show. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy, joined with my brother from another mother, family, cousin. We're not actually related, but nonetheless, we share a great name. My man, Kevin Kennedy. What's up, dog? How you doing? It's good. I'm good. Everything's good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm not doing as good as you, I would say. Uh, <laughs> as I said, what up, dog, to you. That's a two-meaning a two word there. Your dog, Pound, on Monday night, came out to play kind of. I mean, it wasn't the most you know convincing performance, but your Browns got their first dub off the schneid. The first one's usually the hardest, and uh, you know I was happy to see that they played a bad game and they still beat a team they should beat rather handily, even though they didn't, you know, clearly were not as crisp as they as you would like to see. Right. I mean, you know, you can look at it a bunch of different ways. You can criticize the Browns for them not being super sharp offensively, some penalties on defense and offense for that matter. But like you said, you have to beat the team in front of you, and when you look at it at the end of the day. You handedly beat a team by 20, which is nothing to laugh at, uh, even though it was the Jets on a third-string quarterback with, like, five other starters out. Like you said, nonetheless, a strong win uh, to get you guys off the schneid. But, honestly, besides the OBJ stuff, that got knocked right out of the news cycle very quickly on Tuesday morning slash afternoon when the New York football Giants took over the NFL newswire and basically said, Eli, thanks now just be a good Samaritan, be a good teammate. It's time for Daniel Jones. He is now the starter of the New York Giants. Kevin, Daniel Jones, new starter, Eli out, Daniel in. What do you think about this whole thing, about timing, about how it's going to play out? Uh, well, I think that's it's exciting to be a Giant fan because at least you can, 
you know, look forward to Sundays because, you know, you're not just going to see Eli go up there and watch the same story you've been watching for the last 10 years. At least you have, the, you know, something new that you can look forward to. And I, I do like Jones personally. Um, nothing really pops about him, but it, I, he doesn't suck. Like, I don't know how to, like, put it where, like, I don't see, like, a superstar, but I don't see, like, I, I think his I think his floor is very high. I don't know how high his, his ceiling is, but I, I, I could see him being, like, an immediate upgrade over Eli. And uh, in regards to, like, the timing, I think it was good to give him a, give him a couple weeks so we can, you know, because he's never been on an NFL team, you know, travel and getting used to the schedule and seeing how Eli goes about and prepares a game. I think it's all beneficial but at the end of the day you don't really gain anything from starting Eli so the move was inevitable and um I think you know sooner the better let him get out there and take his lumps and get ready for next year absolutely and I mean there are some things now to look forward to like you noted off the bat there I mean this weekend Bills versus Giants so you say all right maybe the Giants have a puncher's chance the Bills aren't anything that special I mean they're a decent team good defense young quarterback Maybe the Giants have a chance. First drive, they run the ball six times, score a touchdown. Boom. It's like, all right, maybe we really have a chance. And then by the end of the first quarter, middle of the second quarter, you're saying, nope, no, no, we don't. We're being outclassed at all the important positions on defense. And uh, the quarterback just stands no chance compared to Josh Allen, who is a rookie, a second-year quarterback who people aren't even that high on and still completely outclassed Eli Manning. So what do you really gain from this? Um and there is a little bit of a, I guess, you know, it's it's a nice thing. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it is kind of nice that now Eli Manning ends his career 116 and 116, kind of <laughs> epitomizing average, if you will, and he doesn't have to go out there and keep losing because that's what's going to happen. It's fine if Daniel Jones goes out there and loses, takes his lumps like you said, but what the hell are we gaining out of Eli going 2-14 and 14 this year? Right, and it's also like at what point – um like, you don't want Eli to go out on, like, a bad note. Like you said, like, say he would have lost a couple of games. Now he's a quarterback with a losing record. Or say he goes out there and gets, you know, banged up, and then he goes out, and your last memory of him is him, you know, being helped off the field or, you know, something like Ben where he can't throw a football. Like, you'd rather, rather have it not get to that and rather have Eli just go out, and I'm sure he'll do he'll do right by Daniel Jones and, and be the model backup slash quarterback coach that he, that he will. Yeah, one can only hope that he has a positive influence on Daniel Jones moving forward now. But thinking back about you know his career, 16 years as a starting quarterback, just that in and of itself, 16 years as a starter, basically never missing a start outside of a Ben McAdoo, trying to do what probably should have been done a long time ago. He hasn't missed a start. He's been healthy. He's been a class citizen. He's done all the right things. He's won two Super Bowls. Uh, when you know, you're know you a guy who is in New York, you were a New Yorker, 100%, but you are not a New York football fan. Like You are a fan of the Cleveland Browns. So I, I like to think of you as somebody who is not biased by you know, uh, the fan base, by being such a local person. When you think about Eli Manning and you see your friends on Twitter or your friends in your group chats and whatever talk about him, is it clear? is it as clear to you as it is to many other Giants fans that Eli Manning is a surefire Hall of Famer? Um, I, he's got a couple of things working for him that'll, uh, like he's a no doubt a hall of famer. Now, if you look at the numbers, it's debatable, but if you win two Super Bowls and you beat Tom Brady and both of them, uh, you, you're definitely in. Um, I mean, Eli is a, a tricky thing because early in his career, I would defend him because everyone would say he sucked. I'm like, he's not, he's not that bad, but I think probably the last like three years or so, it was just so evident that he was, he was shot. 
and to keep throwing him out there. And it was just, I think that that hurts him more than anything. But at the end of the day, when you when you put, compare his uh, numbers to everyone else's in the Hall of Fame, he, he's he's gonna walk right in. And, and the last name Manning doesn't doesn't hurt when it comes to that either. So you think he's in? You think he's he's Hall of Famer for sure? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's definitely gonna get in. I don't know if I would vote for him personally, but I won't be mad if he's in. Right. So you're it's, expecting him to get in, even though you're yeah, not sure if you would vote him in. Yeah, it's Eli Manning. I mean, he's he's, yeah. gonna, he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, mean, I found I it I... so interesting today because I'm I'm trying to navigate the media landscape where I'm trying to balance listening to some national perspective onto some local perspective, check out what some people I know are saying on Twitter. And I'm seeing people, mutual friends of ours, actually, that we both know. I can't believe people are saying he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a surefire, blah, blah, blah. And then I turn on, like, a national radio show, and somebody's like, yeah, you know, he might get a couple votes uh, after he's on the ballot for a couple years. And it's these two completely ends of the spectrum where it's like, respecting and understanding his accomplishments and accolades, but also understanding that, for the first four years and the last like five years of his career, he's been kind of below average in the middle. He had some good years and some average years, but overall his full body of work probably has as much average as it does good. And that doesn't scream hall of famer, but those two years, those two times where he actually had a playoff run, they're just going to burst them up. So I just found it fascinating to see two ends of the spectrum, local fans, who obviously are biased and national media who could probably care less. And it was just pretty crazy. Well, I think, I think I've accepted the fact that he's getting in. Um, I'd be more shocked if he doesn't get in, if he does get in. Uh, I mean, like if he doesn't get in, I'd be more shocked. So, I mean, you, you got two Super Bowls, you beat Tom Brady of all people twice, stopped the perfect season. And, you know, you get into the whole breakdown of those games, but he came up, made big plays and big moments when his team needed them. And he did that more than once. Yeah. So say what you want about him. I mean, he's done things that Aaron Rodgers has only done once. Drew Brees has only done once. Philip Rivers has never done. Right. And so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's. Right. When you you compare him to his peers, he may have been dealt a better hand uh, at certain times. Uh, But overall, I mean, he's worked with what he's got and he's made, He's made some average wide receivers look really good, and he's made some average tight ends look really good, like Kevin Boss and Steve Smith and uh, Mario Manningham. Like Those guys left New York and were nobodies, and Eli made them look like right. really solid players, and that's another uh, tick in, in his standings in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to spend too, too much time on Eli and the Giants um, just because I'm going to be talking a little bit later with my pal Alec on the Giants as he is a hardcore Giants fan. We're going to get both perspectives as I like to do here on the Sportsbook New York podcast. Uh, your last thought, Daniel Jones, now you are excited to watch the Giants. Like You would actually turn them on on a Sunday is what I'm hearing from you. What can people expect from him uh, just from a stylistic standpoint? Uh, he, he's very similar to Darnold, believe it or not. Um, like when I was watching him in college, I was watching him at Duke. I saw a lot of the same things I saw with Darnold. He was just at a far you know, inferior program at Duke. And there was games where it's like, I mean, he, it looked like he was throwing to me. Like it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't pretty, but he's got that same, like he's sneaky athletic, but he's not really a great athlete. Like Darnold is, they don't have overwhelming arms. And they don't seem to, like nothing like if you watch them, like nothing pops. Like they just kind of like find ways to get the job done. And it might not always look like, you know, Mahomes or Rogers when they do it. But I just think that he does 
enough things well where I have a hard time seeing him suck. Right. He's like a master of none where he's not extraordinary in one skill set, but taking a bunch of solid skill sets puts him in an advantageous place. I think I think there's a couple things we could look out for with him is I think the tempo of the offense should be quicker. The RPO game should be a little bit more existent now. And, and you know, you can expect him to scramble a little bit because young quarterbacks right. do tend to lean on that because they're just not as comfortable in the pocket. They're not going through their progressions quick enough, and they may pull that ball down a little bit quicker. Uh, I could see a couple runs for, for Dan Jones. Um, but then, you know, other than that, it's kind of it's kind of Eli-esque, too, where it's, you know, he's going to make the simple throws. He's going to take the seven-yard outs. He's going to throw the ball uh, crossing patterns in the middle of the field. You're not going to see a load of throws probably super deep. I just don't expect it like Eli may have done earlier in his career but hasn't done in about eight years. <laughs> but it's exciting now. There's a reason for us to turn on the Giants and see what they have to offer on Sundays. So that's that's not a bad thing uh, to have for us Giants fans. But let's move on. Kevin Kennedy with me here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. The Jets and the Browns played Monday night. Now, obviously, we touched about your Browns um, fanhood, but besides the point, you always do keep it unbiased here. What the hell with the Jets, man? I mean... There's a couple things that I'm seeing that I want to get your opinion on. One is there's some fans who already want Adam Gase out, who are already killing him, despite the clear, terrible hand that he's been dealt. And I'm not saying he's played the best hand with it, but he's clearly been dealt a terrible one. Uh, When you look at the Jets, the sickness of Darnold, all the injuries, is there a real reason to be truly upset with the guys who are on the field and the coach right now? Or should you just be disappointed with the circumstance? I mean, I was never a big Gaze fan because I don't think he communicates to 53 guys effectively. And that was evident in Miami. And I think you're seeing it a little bit now in New York. He may be able to communicate with a quarterback well, but that that doesn't lead a locker room. Whereas I can see the players starting to gravitate more towards Greg Williams because he's more on their speed. And Gaze isn't really for everyone. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a bad coach, but I don't think he's – like I, I don't know. I, I I didn't really like the hire um to begin with, but when it goes to the product on the field, I mean the first thing is um you should probably block Miles Garrett if you're playing the Browns. <laughs> Poor Beecham, bro. Number. Kevin Beecham was getting <laughs> abused. I think I saw a stat he had three sacks, two hits, two QB hits, two hurries, and three holding penalties. And I'm then he had his own penalties against him, but yeah. he had I think that's a stat that should be kept is how many times do you get a holding penalty called in your that, career that, defense. That's true. Makes sense to me. But also, he did, may have ended Trevor Simeon's career. Oh, yeah. Did you see that last hit on, on Falk when they did that screen oh, pass? Oh, gosh. Yeah, he got annihilated, too. Poor The poor quarterbacks out there for the Jets were getting crushed. I think, I, think it was, I think it was a good thing that Donald wasn't out there because you don't want, you don't want him doing that. And... I mean, yeah, but we yeah. lost. We like as viewers, as fans of the NFL, we completely yes. lost just because yeah, Darnold and Baker, the first two quarterbacks taken in last year's draft. I think they're both the type of people who want to play each other. Like I think if you ask Baker, put him on a lie detector test, like do you want Darnold out there? He's he's still saying oh, yes. Yeah. Like he's like, I want to beat Darnold. I don't want to beat Luke Falk, even though Baker didn't look particularly great. And that's another thing. But with the Jets. With Darnold coming back, week five, six-ish range, what can Jets fans hang their hat on right now 
other than Le'Veon Bell because he was just an inspiration to watch on Monday night. Other than him, what can the Jets hang their hat on? Um, I think you want to see certain areas get better, and you want to find out where your holes are because I don't think the Jets' window was ever this year. And I think this offseason they should, you know, be almost done filling out the holes in their roster. So I think th- their holes are pretty pretty clearly identified. I think it's it seems to be on, on the boundaries of uh, of of defense. You know, the edge rushers and their and their cornerbacks, and then their their tackles on offense, the one with their wide receivers are you know suspect. I know they have some talent at wide receiver, but they don't have a they don't have a dude. You know, they don't have they don't have a guy where it's third and five balls going to him. And uh, the rest of their wide receivers are somewhat complimentary. The running back situation is fine. I think the tight end situation is fine. Um, linebacker and safety, if healthy, are obviously fine. Um, interior defensive line is fine. But it's really those those premier, flashier players, you know, your your defensive ends, your cornerbacks, and stuff like that. Right. So I think you would like to see maybe a couple of young guys they drafted, you know, progress as the year goes on. But um, their offensive line is not young. So, I mean, they're going to have to revamp the whole thing. I know they, they attempted to this year by getting a couple of guys who were good in, like, Madden 14. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's better than what so, they've been doing with that. So, basically, you're saying <laughs> what I'm getting out of you here is, you know, the Jets are okay in some places, but they have a lot of holes, and they're mostly just okay. Is that what I'm hearing? Um. I, I, yeah, I think so, they got they got talent in some places, but they don't have outside of you know a couple of the guys on each side of that ball. They don't have any proven, right. you know, guys like, that have been there, done that. They need uh, the the wide out version of Jamison Crowder. Like Jamison Crowder is a nice little slot. He looks much better when there is a premier uh, play, right, a Rob, pass catcher near him. And Robbie Anderson isn't quite that guy. Robbie Anderson is the right. guy who also looks good when there's a premier catch uh, pass catcher by him. So they're they're kind of lacking completion in their units. Like they need one more receiver. They probably need to vamp up the line just a little bit more, like you said, on the tackles area. And then defense. I mean, their corners. They're they got nothing at cornerback right now. They're, their best corner, their highest paid corner. I do air quotes when I say best because he didn't even play on Monday night. Tremaine Johnson got basically DNP'd. Coach's decision. That's not yeah. a good look. That's not a good sign. But. So, are you being? You're, it sounds like you're being pretty frank, but trying to just be like real about it. You're not being like a jerk. You're just being honest. You do you look at Jets fans who said like we have a punter's chance at a wild card. We should be eight and eight. We should we have a chance at nine wins. Do you look at Jets fans who were saying that because it was being said two weeks ago? Obviously, things have changed with the injuries and the and the sickness. Did you look at Jets fans two weeks ago and be like, I'm, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but that's not realistic. Is that kind of where you landed on the Jets? Well, the thing with that is all my friends who were Jet fans, they were talking like, oh, we got week one, we got the Bills, and then we, go, and then we got the Browns coming. Like, they were, they were like, kind of overlooking the Bills. And then I was sitting there, like, you know, I'm not a Jet hater. I have Jet fans in my family. I, if, the, if I wasn't a Browns fan, I'd probably be a Jet fan. But, you know, I was looking at and I was like, the Bills are probably at the same point, if not a little bit ahead of where the Jets are. Because their defense and, is legit. The defense is legit. Their wide receivers are, are similar, and the, that neither of them have a dude. Um, I mean, you have Bell, which is a you know better than their running backs. But then it came down to Allen and Darnold. And while I think Darnold will be the better quarterback, I think Allen can do more things today to win games. Right, like that six yard run he had in week two against right. the Giants, where he was just like, 
all right, let's push out the running backs to the right. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to get in the end zone. And like, right. Those are the types of things when you're young that you can really lean on. You don't want to do it when you're 32, but when you're 22, right. Four years let it rip. Now, give, me, give me Darnold, yeah. But yeah. right now, this Sunday, I'd probably take Allen over him. And I was a big Allen hater, and I still don't think Allen's going to be good. I don't think he does the little things well. But I do think that right now with his legs and the way he plays recklessly, and he basically plays like Madden where everyone runs streaks, and then he just runs out the pocket. Um, <laughs> it's fun to watch sometimes, man. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Uh, let's keep it moving because I want to do some uh, some hot topics and some some of the marquee teams real quick. Browns slow start. Uh, even last night, like we talked about in the open, wasn't the crispest win, but they beat the team in front of them by twenty. So you can't really laugh at it. You can't gaff at it. Um, Browns, what's your what's your nerve level at? Like, where is your com- or confidence level? Wherever you want to take it, what are you feeling right now with this offense with a bunch of new pieces, a bunch of new toys? Uh, a little bit of an offensive line issue, but a defense that looks like it can really get after the quarterback. What's your overall outlook on this Browns team that was so loud this offseason, so pumped up, so talked about, now that we're two weeks into the season? Um, They're right around where I thought they would be. I, I was telling everyone from the beginning, I think they're going to start slow, and if they come out, I think they're going to beat Tennessee, and they play a sloppy game, they're going to lose because – Tennessee went nine and seven three years in a row, and you could probably look it up. It's not a lot of teams that go over five hundred three years in the NFL in a row. It's not. Not saying the Titans are Super Bowl contenders. Not saying they suck, but it's not. It's not easy. You got to. You got to play them to beat them. You can't just show up and win. And they they got flagged eighteen twenty times. So, you know they they beat themselves. And um, you know I watch when I watch them play now. The the defense is going to be legit. I mean that that. You could put that front four with anyone in, in football. Garrett's already got five sacks in, in two games. Um, Sheldon Richardson's the fourth best defensive lineman. Which is just a um, crazy thing to say out loud. Right, right. <laughs> and he's, he's an above average player because the guy Okajobi next to him is an absolute monster as well. And then, but if you look at the offense, it's, um, it's kind of contrary to what they were doing last year. Last year, they, they were doing a lot of uh, you know heavy tight end sets, match protection giving Baker time to throw. And now this year they don't have the tight ends. They have the wide receivers. So they try and do a little bit more spread them out. And it's more timing things that they didn't get to do in the preseason. Um, so I think that's why you saw Baker thrown in the fourth quarter at the end of that game, because he's still working on things. And um, if you watch him, the line's not great, but it's similar to what it was last year. The only thing is now he's not trusting what he sees. And you right. see him do the double, double clutch and try and scramble out where last year, he, what made Baker great in the NFL last year and what made him great in college was he was decisive and accurate. And when the longer he pats that ball and dances around, he loses his footwork and he's missing throws. So I think it's just going to be more of a, a, you know, let's get into a groove. Let's, let's you know, let's have a, a chemistry where I can not be looking at you and turn and know where you're going to be before I let it fire. And uh, I think as the season goes on, I think you could see them win a lot of games in a row at the end. It right. wouldn't shock me if they were like three and five or something, and then they ended up, you know, ten and six or nine and seven. I could see them really picking up steam as the year goes on. They get more comfortable, and their heavy part of the schedule is at the top. So, um, you know, it's in a wait and see mode. I like to see them uh, bang around golf Sunday night. I think they have a good shot to keep that offense under wraps a little bit because I think they have some corners that can run with their receivers. And I think, you know, I'll take golf on the East Coast in a hostile environment. Um, let's hope for a little bit of rain, too. So, 
Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like your confidence level, you know, right now isn't super high. So when you go into place to play the Rams this week, this week coming up, Ravens right after that, 49ers mm-hmm. are frisky. Like, it's not like you're feeling great in the next four weeks, five weeks, even to the Patriots right. in week seven or eight, whatever it is. But then like said, when you get to five. Steve, yes. Yeah. Then you later in the year, the Browns have teams like the Bills, the Steelers twice. What, who knows what they'll be like at that point. The Dolphins, the Bengals, the Cardinals, and the Bengals again. Those are te- those are games here where it's like, all right, you know what? Now if they close out seven and one, this can look like a completely different season than we thought after week six. So the Browns are in a, in a solid place, and I think it's important to note, like you said, that this is a preseason for Baker with his receivers because Jarvis and Odell did not touch the field in the preseason, obviously. Like, why would they? But this is what you get in the first two weeks when there's no real chemistry there. These guys are new. They don't know each other yet. It was nice for Odell and Baker to connect on that that big play, 87 yards the other night. Um, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's not going to be a walk in the park with this Ravens team because they are friggin' on fire. Uh, they're one of the most popular teams to talk about right now. They didn't walk away with this win against the Cardinals, but I think there's a perfect segue for us to talk to, about basically some power ranking topics here, some of the best teams in the league. And again, Kevin Kennedy here with me on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So is it just this simple, Kevin? Is it this easy to just say – Patriots, Chiefs, and everyone else? Or is there another team that you look at so far? It's like, okay, Patriots, Chiefs, and blank. Is it the Cowboys? Is it the Ravens? Is it the Rams? Is there another team that sits in that tier with the Patriots and Chiefs right now? I yeah, I, I would put the Rams up there, and I think I'm going to put the Cowboys up there. Um, I just, Ooh. there's not, like... If you look, if you break the Cowboys down, there is not one spot on their roster or their depth chart where they are lacking something. Even the little pickups, like a guy like Randall Cobb, now he's there, you know, second or third if, if Gallup is healthy. He, they replace Beasley with Cobb. And Dak is another guy who just keeps getting better and better. And, um, you know, he's learning what he can do. And he's got also got that, got that comeback factor where he's, I think he leads the NFL in game winning drive since he's been in the league. So I just think there's something about them, and now with Zeke back, I just they're tough to write off because they play good defense and they they they're good on both sides of the line. When you when you can do that consistently, you know it's it's you're gonna win a lot of games that way. So you're saying in that upper echelon includes the Patriots and Chiefs and the Cowboys and the Rams. You include? Yeah, I would say those are the those are the four top teams. I, I mean that that would be my early, um, you know, championship weekend prediction. Can you even believe like just how easy the first two weeks have been for the Patriots? Like, is it even feasible, or is it just laughable at this point? Uh, I usually get off to a slow start, so I guess that's I know, shocking, right. But... I, I remember that. I mean, I thought about that week one. I was like, Steelers plus six, give me that. Patriots never start hot, and then boom, thirty to three. I was Tomlin like, oh can't man, can't beat Belichick. Tomlin cannot beat Belichick to save his life. Didn't they beat him last year? Didn't the Steelers beat the Patriots last year? Well, whatever. Every every time they play them in the playoffs, they get oh. royally out coached. That is, just, yeah, that's not the place for them to shine. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, some weapons are out. Obviously, Kareem Hunt no longer with the Chiefs. Um, Tyreek Hill injured pretty quickly. Yet Patrick Mahomes still slinging touchdowns all over all over the place. Uh, how much of this is Andy Reid? How much of this is Patrick Mahomes? Is that even a fair question to ask? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I mean. I like Mahomes coming out. Uh, I thought he had the highest ceiling. I thought there was things that he does that, you know, 
could translate to the NFL, could not. But when the Chiefs came up and jumped up to get him, uh, that was like a big, I don't want to say red flag, that was a big like alert sign. Like, all right, this kid's going to be good because when has Andy Reid had a bad quarterback and when has Andy Reid jumped up to go get a guy that could throw a ball 85 yards? Yeah, that's a scene. <laughs> when, when you say it like that, it sounds like a lot of other people should have thought Mahomes would be this good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, him sitting behind Smith was the best thing for him because if the Browns would have took him at, say, one, I don't think he would have had this. I mean, it's easy to say, like, you know, that Mahomes this and that, but I think if you would have put him on the 2017 Browns, the team that went, you know, all in 16 or whatever. He hasn't, um, he hasn't he popped. May, he may have been a good quarterback, but he wouldn't be throwing 50 touchdowns a year. Right. You I know? mean, yeah, even if he, you know, lifted them up, what is right. he bringing them? Three wins, four wins right. at the best, like maybe. Uh, it's it's an underrated thing. It doesn't always work. Like Baker Mayfield sitting behind Tyrod Taylor last year, maybe not that important, especially when the team wasn't winning. But the Chiefs were a playoff team with Super Bowl expectations with Alex Smith. And Patrick Mahomes got to see a competitive team with dynamic players and a coach who is seemingly an offensive madman like work for a whole year and like really get it. And it it doesn't work in every situation. Like Sam Darnold last year, he needed to be in there. Baker last year, he needed to be in there. Josh Allen clearly just got in there. It worked out. Um, but for Patrick Mahomes, with that situation, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, let's keep moving here. Let's talk about a couple other teams quick. How good can the Ravens be? Are they this explosive, or are they catching people off guard? I mean, they didn't play the two. Of the, they played the team who was probably going to have the first pick this draft, and they played the team who had the first pick in the last draft. So the teams they played were not good, but they did with all, what what a good team should do, and is if you play the worst teams in the league, you should make them look like the worst teams in the league. Um, I think I think I like the Mark on out a lot. I thought. A lot of the criticism he got this year was was overplayed. I think you know they really didn't scheme offense for him. Now they got they got skill players that work with him. They got the, the two big tight ends. They got the speedy wide receiver, and they're doing things that works for him. And um, their defense, though, I I think I want to slow the roll on the defense. I don't think the defense is what it was last year, and I think Lamar's going to have to do a little bit more for them to win games this year. And if he can keep playing, I think he'll come back down a little bit to earth. I don't think he's going to throw for 35 touchdowns or anything. But he's going to be – he's going to throw for over 3,000 yards and he's going to run for probably another 1,000. And he'll keep them in games. And if he doesn't throw turnovers and if he if he can, you know, be accurate and decisive from the pocket like he's doing right now, they're going to be a, a pain in the ass to play because they do have good offense and their defense. While it's not what it was last year, it's still in the upper half of the league. So they, they could be a team that, that, that could make some noise this year and then it'll come down to when, you know, if you have to go into New England in a playoff game and you know Belichick's going to take away something that Lamar does right. and make him do something else, it's how does he handle that situation and does he learn from what happened last year when they played the Chargers and they manhandled him. Exactly. It, it, they're, I mean, they're easily going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch. When you talk about pure intrigue, you have the Ravens, you have the Browns. Uh, I, I, I personally find this team, I mean, we talked about the Cowboys, I would put them in there too. I find this team pretty fascinating right now because I think they're extremely talented. I love, love their quarterback, and yet they put up 
a somewhat of a dud on Sunday night. Now the Falcons are the Falcons are a nice team. You know they have they have talent. They have a quarterback who wins a ton of games all the time. Um, but the Eagles coulda shoulda woulda won that game. They were a little banged up at receiver. Um, but Carson Wentz and the Eagles, I find them fascinating. I think they're talented. Are you expecting great things for Wentz and the Eagles this year, or are you a little bit nervous about uh, what they're working with? Uh, I mean, it, they're another team. They probably have a top three roster in the league. I mean, if you if you go top to bottom with any other team, they're they're right there. They're 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 similar to the Cowboys, where they do not have many weaknesses. I think the Cowboys as an overall roster is better. If you, but they're another team. They're good on both sides of the line. They have skill on the outside. They have. You know, they have five wide receivers, two tight ends, and three running backs. And, you know, if, if Wentz is healthy, it should be good. But Wentz also needs to prove that he's a big game guy. Right. A lot, a lot of things you see at Wentz, Wentz is like a highlight reel player where you could show three players and you're like, this guy is superhuman. But then he doesn't pull it out at the end. So you got to see him. Like, that's what the difference between him and Dak is. Like obviously, Wentz could do things Dak will never be able to do, but Dak somehow wins games, and there, there's value in that in the NFL, obviously. Where Wentz, <laughs> well, Wentz, yeah, Wentz needs w- to prove good. that he could. Yeah, but Wentz needs to prove that he could do it. You know, like you, you might look at Dak's stat line or watch him play, and you're like, this guy's not great, but he he finds ways to win games. Whereas Wentz, if it's not a blowout, I don't know how you feel about him in a close game. Um, Right. A lot, a lot of the games are blowouts, but you know, and uh, that, that, that game Sunday night is a game you want to see him pull out. And I know he started slow, and then he got hurt. That's another thing. He's got to, he's got to learn how to live to see another day, and not always try to make those splash plays. So that's right. how he ends up getting banged around. And Nelson Aguilar needs to catch balls that hit him in the chest. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, Carson Wentz threw a perfect ball on that play. It would have changed the complexion of the of that last quarter. Um, yep. But nonetheless, I think that I think they're in it. I think you look at the Cowboys and the Eagles, and I, I'm almost locking them in both of them for the playoffs. I think that there's as hard like as lockable as any division winner slash wild card as you can have. I think both of them are just too good. Um, then you get like some Rams and Seahawks. Like that. It, it does get a little frisky here. So let's talk about some of the frisky teams. Some of the teams that maybe you know aren't super hyped up, maybe not super flashy. But you just respect as a really solid team that you think will be in it towards the end of the season. Is there one team or two teams that stuck out to you over the first two weeks? I think I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I mean, I love how you got, went with he, Russell Wilson and not the Seahawks. <laughs> because that, that that dude that dude wins games, man. He he's another guy. He you can't count him out. And now he's got he's got two guys that are very well suited for his style of play and Metcalf and Lockett that can really get down the field and make some vertical plays. And nobody throws a deep ball quite like Russell Wilson. Uh, the, way, anyway. the way he drops a man over the top is just, like, <laughs> it's like, it's an unreal thing. Those receivers deserve some more credit too. When Lockett like looks like Willie Mays out there and just runs under a ball, he doesn't get enough credit for those catches. They're incredible. Yeah, no. And, and then you better like Metcalf looks like, you know, he ate Lockett, and they're the same type of player. <laughs> That's good. And I, honestly, I got to say, I was not high on Metcalf because I, I watched his tape in college, and I think me and you have actually talked about this before. 
Like, I just saw him run routes, and he only ran a slant and a go. And that was the only two routes he ran good. When he tried to run a comeback, it looked terrible. He didn't always catch the ball with his hands. But if the Seahawks are looking at him and saying, hey, we're going to make you only do what you're good at. You're going to be <laughs> vertical. We're going to give you the ball in space and just, like, do stuff because you're a freak. Like, it works. I just, I, I did not think he was the best receiver or even a top three receiver in the class. But when you get put into a good situation with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, it goes to show how much that can change things. Like, A.J. Brown is on the Titans. It's where receivers go to die. And he's showing up and already putting up, like, pretty solid numbers for a rookie. Like, Hollywood Brown, same thing in Baltimore. Like, you have a running quarterback. You wouldn't expect him to do so well. He's showing up. I think both of those guys, as well as maybe Nikhil Harry and uh, another another guy too. Maybe I'm slipping off my minds here. Thought they were all better than Metcalf, and now I I feel yeah. I felt a little silly watching him the first two weeks. But then I was like, I think I was kind of accurate. He's really only good at two things, but the Seahawks are just making him do good at those two things. So uh, it's a great spot for him, and he's fun to watch when he start when he gets going. Yeah, he was he was criticized for like 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 you said things that he's not good at, but like a crazy idea is like. <laughs> if a guy's really good at something, make him do that. Right. Because he's six four, to built like a god and can run really fast. So let's have him run deep. Let's have him, you know, let's have him run quick slants where guys are worried about the deep pass and he can take it and then once he gets the ball, he's allowed to take down. Honestly, and you once know, he got this is gonna sound funny. I don't know I don't know if this will make sense to you, but he, he kinda reminds me you said he ate Tyler Lockett and like whatever. Uh, I think he's kind of like a giant, just like Greek god, Brandon Cooks. Because when I watch Brandon Cooks, I don't particularly get impressed by his route running. I think he's mostly just good at running the goes and like the really short like slants and like quick quick stops and stuff like that. Uh, like, how often have you ever seen Cook run uh, like a long dig or a big comeback and be like, "Wow, that was a really sick route"? Like, it never happens. And Metcalf might be the same thing, but somehow Brandon Cooks gets a thousand yards and eight touchdowns every year. So if it works, right. it works. Right. Like if that's what makes McVeigh so good is he puts his guys in places to succeed. Uh, Reed puts his guys in places to succeed. So if you have guys that are good at something and you make them do that, they're going to be good at it. If you have guys, you know, and they try it like, like Allen can't, he, he, he has to play a specific way. Lamar Jackson has to play a specific way. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they have to play in a specific way. And if you let those guys do that, they'll be good at that. But if you try and make them something they're not, then you know, you're gonna you're gonna be disappointed. But once Metcalf went to I liked him coming out a little bit. I like I said, you know, I like wide receivers and cornerbacks like a basketball team. I want different guys that do different things and I want to use them in those right. ways. It's a good way. That's a so, good analogy. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's the same thing with cornerbacks. You want cornerbacks all different sizes that can match up with different guys, and you want your wide receivers to be the same way. I mean, there's always a couple, you know, freaks out there like OBJ and and Julio and guys that can just do Ooh, DeAndre you know, Hopkins. Whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever they want, uh, whatever they want. But you know, those guys are they're, rare, they're few so. and far between. There's about six of them. Right. Yeah. Right. For, for sure. And then yeah, and then so once he went to Seattle, I was like, this guy's gonna be a beast with him because he. The two things, like you said, he does really well are Russell Wilson's two best things. So, so right. a match made in heaven. Yeah, like Lockett's a little bit more of a technician. He's the type of guy who you're going to see like thir- right. third and long. He's probably the one coming up with the big play there. But on those other plays, Metcalf can be let loose. One other team I want to talk about, and then I'll let you go, 
Um, well, I think this is just necessary. When we didn't, we talked about some of the teams we've enjoyed watching, some of the frisky teams, some of the best teams, top tier. And I think we made one uh, big mistake leaving one team off this conversation here. Do you know what I'm talking about? Packers? Yeah, baby. The Packers. The defensive led Packers. The Green Bay Packers. Dang. I mean, I mean, they played the Bears and the Vikings. Those two defenses are freaking good. So to judge the Packers offense is probably not fair yet, right? New coach, two of the most vicious defenses around the league right now. Um, so don't I would say withhold judgment on the Packers offense, but they got enough to get the win. But the Packers defense, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Packers defense and got excited about it. They they've been retooling that secondary for years. That guy Jair Alexander is a is a monster, man. He's he, he was right up there award for me. I, I liked him a lot coming out. He's a he's a dog. Um but yeah, they put a lot of put a lot of ammunition into that defense, and it's paying out for them. They always have a good offensive line, and if you have Rodgers, you have a chance. And if you can give some players around Rodgers, you know, good things can happen. Um, you know, new coach, I think that's good for for, for Rodgers, a new uh, you know newer thinking guy that was in Tennessee. So you know, maybe get the running game going a little bit. They got a couple of running backs that that could really play. And yeah, I mean, they're they're as good as anyone right now. So. Um, and when you have when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you you, you should be good. So it's it's uh, I, I'm I'm happy to see that the Packers are, are are back up there and showing themselves as a team that could that could make some noise this year. Yeah, I mean they're looking like the front runners in what a lot of people expect to be a very competitive division. Uh, make some quick sense out of that division for me. I am a known Bears disbeliever. I am not a believer in Trubisky. I don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up with some teams. Their defense is obviously sick, but the amount of things that fell their way last year with the turnovers and the health, um, it was kind of like the Vikings from two years ago when the Vikings had this incredible season and everything went their way. The Bears had that last year. Um, it's hard to replicate that. And the Lions, I, I, I might be on an island by myself who think the Lions aren't that bad and like could be a 7-8 win team. Make sense of that division for me real quick. Well, I think I was saying, I think Matthew Stafford is uh, probably the most underrated player in football. I think he's been on one of the worst teams and worst run teams. And um, if you were to put him, say, on the Bears with the, with those weapons and that defense, I think he'd be an 11-win, 12-win quarterback every year because he's also another guy that when the game's on the line, he, he can make the big play. Um, but, yeah, I would put the Packers at the top. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I Bears are my sneaky team last year. I didn't think they would have 12 wins. I thought they would be like nine and seven and push for a wild card because I thought the defense was legit. And um, like you said, everything broke right. Um, so I, I think they they might. I don't know. Uh, they might finish last in that division this wow. year. Wow, that's music because, to my ears. No, because I I, I think you got to You got to look at the quarterbacks he's going against. And I I even Cousins. I would take Cousins over him. And that and that's and that saying something. Yeah, and that Minnesota team is, you know, just as deep pretty much everywhere as, as the Bears. And, you know, game on the line, who do you want, Trubisky or Cousins? And they, they won – they shouldn't they shouldn't even have won that game. Could I, can was, I, like, uh, can I just plead the fifth? Can I run – can I run Wildcat <laughs> with Dalvin Cook? <laughs> yeah, really, really. Cousins made one of the worst decisions I've seen in a long time on, like, a first down and goal the other day. It was, thank God, like, if you bet on the Vikings and you saw that play happen, you must have, like, punched your TV. Um, I, I, I don't, I just, I actually very strongly agree with you. 
I caught a lot of heat from friends and and people saying that I I thought Lions over six was a good bet this year because I think think about their team. Carryon Johnson is an awesome running back. They have tons of talent and wide receiver. T.J. Hawkinson looks awesome. Their defensive line is really good. Got a couple good DBs. What are we missing here? I mean, some people just think Patricia's uh, a Belichick puppet and he's not a good coach, and that might be true. But you can't deny talent, and the Lions have. A load of talent, like a really a lot of talent. And if Stafford could start slinging to Marvin Jones, to Hawkinson, and Kenny Galladay, they could put some points on the board. And that defense is talented, man. Yeah, they have a they have a lot of a lot of power in that defensive line, for sure. Yeah. And um, like I said, I'm a big big Stafford fan. Love Galladay. Love love Carry On. Love um, um big Marvin Jones guy. Hawkinson's yeah. an absolute. Hawkinson's was my he was my target at seventeen. Had the Browns not traded for Odell, he was the guy I wanted. Right. Um. I thought he was you know surefire stud. I thought he was of a Quentin Nelson mold where he's just gonna come in and dominate right away because he does so many things well. And yeah, I'm I'm in on the Bears. Um. Definitely, I would say over six and a half. Yeah, that's that's easy money. Um. Will they win the division? Probably not, but they could be five hundred or better. Yeah. Well, um, oh, the six and a half was for the Lions. Not for the Bears. The Bears was actually at nine and a half. They're expected to be good. Right, right, I, right. I would take, the, I would take the under on the Bears. I would yes. take the over on, on the Lions. I would say sure because I would say I agree, but I, I can actually say I do agree because I am involved in those exact wagers. So, go, <laughs> go Lions. <laughs> it's like, it's like the more, the more tape gets out on on Trubisky, the worse he looks. Yeah, it's there's, tough. There's parts, there's parts of the field he just can't throw the ball to. And then when you look at that division, um. And you think about the Lions and the Vikings keeping the Packers out of it, saying they're a tier above. Like, think about the run game. Like, the Bears don't have a Dalvin Cook. They don't even have a Carryon Johnson. And Trubisky needs that run game probably more than both of the other quarterbacks. So, right, Trey and Jordan Howard. I, I didn't really, I didn't really get that move to be honest. He's been solid. He's a he's a very solid professional NFL running back. To see him leave is, is like a weird thing. I mean, I guess I mean, Montgomery, yeah. it's going to take some time. Maybe they expect Montgomery to really turn it up. Cohen's been non-existent. They need to figure something out on offense. Uh, that's it. Oh, or Kevin, any last words for the Sports Blog New York podcast? Uh, any NFL takes? Any college takes? What do you got? Anything spicy for me? Hmm, spicy. I don't know. Anything uh, Anything sweet and spicy? Honey barbecue? What do you got? Anything? Any type right, of sauce? My, uh, my dark horse... My dark horse wildcard team is uh, the Bills this year. Boom. Love it. I mean, started 2-0. Defense is freaking solid. But I've been, I saying, think... I've been on that train. Though. I've been on that train before. Before I started 2-0. All right. Good. I was going to say, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You can have it. I'll allow it. <laughs> you got the Browns and the Bills. <laughs> yeah. Smack the mallet down. I'll allow it. <laughs> All right, Kevin Kennedy, thanks so much, man. This is a blast every time we chat. NFL stuff, college stuff. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. We'll talk soon. And when we talk again, maybe the Browns will be uh, six and six, four and four. Who knows where the Browns can be? It could be pretty cool. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Always brother. a pleasure. Appreciate it. Big shouts to my guy, Kevin Kennedy, talking all sorts of NFL stuff, New York Giants, New York Jets, and everything outside of the tri-state area that pertains to some of the best stories in the NFL so far. Sports Blog New York Podcast. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at SportBlogNYC, at my personal Twitter at Kennedy with two Ys, and of course on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. I love nothing more than to hear from you guys. But now we're going to hear from my guy, 
the New York sports fans' finest, Alec Argento, here to talk all things Manning, Jones, Giants, and more as we dive into the NFL season. All right, here I am on the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy with Alec Argento, our Sports Blog New York podcast professional New York sports fan. Is that is that a good thing? You like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Best city in the world. Best sports teams in the world, especially the past decade. <laughs> oh, yeah. A hundred percent. The best best city for sports the past decade. Uh, <laughs> you are a professional New York sports fan. Yankees, Giants, Knicks going hard in the paint. And that's why I needed you to come on the podcast with me today to wax poetic about the New York football Giants and Eli Manning and our boy Daniel Jones. So, Alec, the floor is yours. What is up? And what the hell was going through your mind and your nostalgia and your memories today when the news was officially broke that Daniel Jones is now the starter over Eli Manning? I'm I'm a lot more sad than I thought I was going to be. Um, I I've been an Eli apologist for a while, but I've also been on the Dan wagon. Um, you know, I'm, I I want a change of scenery. I think that the way that it was done was probably the worst case scenario. This is pretty reminiscent of, of Ben McAdoo in Oakland, right? With, with the Geno Smith thing. Um, and the way the Gettleman has mismanaged our money <laughs> and put out a defense that is probably the worst defense I've ever seen in the world uh, in my entire history of watching uh, the NFL um, leaves a lot to be desired. But I am excited about, about Dan Jones. And, and he's Dan Jones. He's not Daniel. I respect that, and you know I've been on that train since he got drafted. It's all about the Dan Jones. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, it makes my heart ache to, to you know, Eli is pretty much the only quarterback I've, I've ever known. I mean, uh, sixteen years in the NFL is no joke. Um, he was not the reason we were losing this year. I'm not saying he looked great, but he was not the worst player on the field by any stretch of the imagination for the Giants. But you know, at the same time, Pat Shermer needs a quarterback who's going to run into the system. And Eli was not going to be that quarterback. Never was that quarterback and never will be that quarterback. So, um, you know, it sucks that Eli's feelings are hurt because that makes my feelings hurt. But, you know, it, 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 it makes sense. It, you, you gain nothing by rolling Eli out there week after week. It's true. Um, you don't have the luxury of hearing what I spoke to our guy Kevin Kennedy about. We did a quick hit on the Giants. I knew I was going to talk about it at length with you, but Kevin and I did discuss it. So not to, you know, bro- broken record myself. I don't know if that's a proper term, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. There is some sort of of silver lining that comes with the decision. You said it was reminiscent of Ben McAdoo. I I actually disagree pretty strongly. I think some of the positives that can come out of the timing of this uh, in Eli's benefit include his record. And I know it sounds like a silly thing in the moment, but when you look back on Eli Manning's career now, how fitting is it that he is 116 and 116? I mean, a guy who has been called an average quarterback time and time again, early in his career, not so much in the middle, uh, obviously like a year before the first Super Bowl to a year after the last Super Bowl. Uh, he was pretty solid. He was above average, but then he had some below average years. And the past two or three years, man, it's been rough to watch when he hasn't been given much help. And even with some help, it was still tough to watch at times. So the move needed to be made for Pat Shermer's sake. Like He wants to keep this job. He's not keeping this job if Eli Manning plays 16 games this year. Yeah, and- but is he keeping the job? Is is Daniel Jones 
like if anything, this makes Pat Shermer's job less secure because now he has no scapegoat, right? If, if he if he comes in now with Daniel Jones and Dan, and, and I actually think Daniel Jones would be a really good quarterback in the NFL, but if he doesn't perform. He's screwed. He will not have a job but, next But that's year. good, though. That, that's a win for the Giants then, right? So if Pat Sherman, there's two ways, I guess two and a half ways this can go, right? So the first way is it goes terribly. Daniel Jones does not look good. The offense is not clicking. It's not moving the ball, getting first down, scoring points. And then it's like, all right, Pat Shermer's not the guy for this quarterback we just drafted sixth overall. If Daniel Jones looks good, getting first downs, making some red zone plays, then it's like, okay, maybe Pat Shermer can be the guy to lead Daniel Jones to become a good NFL quarterback. And then there's obviously the the no man's land, which is the half, the two and a half, where it's like, oh, you know, Daniel Jones looks okay. They may have won a couple games, but not looking great. Like that, that's probably the last place you want to be because that's the scapegoat. That's the thing where it's going to be like, oh, maybe Shermer just needs more time. I think we want, we should want as Giants fans this to go really well obviously, but the worst-case scenario may be meddling and may be very mixed results with a little bit more bad than good where it's like, oh, Shermer needs another year with Dan Jones, and then there's just another year on the fact that we think Pat Shermer's not our guy. So there is some other ways this can go, right? Like, Isn't there some positivity to the Giants organization doing this now and getting to see a full year of Shermer work with this young guy? It's 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 spoiled by the fact that it, it was it came in week two of the season, right? Like get get to understand that we if you weren't if you weren't going to have Eli in this team this year, if he wasn't going to be a starter for the full way through, you shouldn't have re-signed him. That was I think that's something like twenty five million dollars on a cap hit or something like that that you could have used to get players on on the defensive end to actually make you you know put put you in a position to to be competitive in game. We have, we have, I think $45 million tied up between Eli and Odell um, for, for, for this year. That is, you know, we have holes all over that defense that should have been, the money should have been spent there. That's, and and yeah. even, and, 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 you know, I, I guess it just makes me think about Gettleman and, and how poor he's done of a job so far. Um, you know, even, even with the, the Odell and Olivier Vernon trade, um, you know, that really looks good, but, Dexter Lawrence is fine. DeAndre Baker looks horrible out there. Um, you know what, what? What has he done that's been positive? What, what's it a, a net win so far? Uh, are you talking about Gettleman? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like I can't. I mean, I don't think any Giants fans arguing for Gettleman right now, other than just saying, you know, we're stuck with him, so let's wait and see. Like that's the most positive thing you can say about Gettleman right now. On, right, like he he's, he thinks he's one of those guys who, you know, is trying to outsmart the room, and that's not what you want to do. You want to just be the smartest person in the room and not he, try he does to a outsmart the job room. of communicating to his fans, right? Setting expectations, and 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 you know, if Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones doesn't end up being a legitimate player, he's going to be the next Phil Jackson in New York. Yeah, and that is not, that's not someone you want to be, like by any means. But on the on the Pat Shermer front, I mean, there are some things that we're going to want to see. So there, there's a couple things that I think with Daniel Jones at the helm, we can see that we just weren't able to see with Eli Manning. The first thing is tempo. I think we can up the tempo a little bit. Dan Jones showed in preseason the ability to get the ball, quick one-step, three-step drop, get rid of the ball, hit those intermediate routes, kind of like Eli Manning used to do earlier in his career, hasn't quite been able to do lately. Uh, and he could also run the RPO, which Eli Manning can't really do because 
He's not a quick twitch guy. He's not a threat to move with his feet to uh, move the pocket over. Obviously, you know, I'm not talking. But don't don't you don't you think that, that this idea that and, and again I, I guess I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but don't you think this idea that Daniel Jones is a mobile quarterback is incredibly overstated? He's no Kyler Murray, right? Oh he's no, no, he's no, no, Haskins. no, he's no Deshaun Jackson. Uh, well, De- Deshaun, uh, well, Dwayne Watson. Haskins doesn't move really at all, but so that's not the best example. Oh, but whatever, I, I guess Lamar Jackson or Deshaun right. Watson. He's he's none of those. No, he's definitely not. But he he can move. He he can move decently well. He has some sneaky athleticism, and it's not like he's Josh Allen. He's going to run people over and run for touchdowns. But you know. Similarly to how Mitch Trubisky has leaned on this in his first two years, and I don't think Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback, but there's times. Yeah, I think it's a bad example. No, I think no, it's but, a bad comparison. but no, but no, I'm, I'm comparing to this one key point. When you are a young quarterback and you're not super comfortable, you do tend to lean on your athleticism. And Mitch Trubisky was able to do it. Blake Bortles, who was able to do it. Those are bad quarterbacks. I think Daniel Jones has already shown at this point he has a little bit more touch. He has the chance to be a more accurate passer. But if he has to, in the in the early goings of his career, utilize his legs to just move around, sneaky pick up a couple first downs on, on third and, and and mid you know mid yarded situations, those are things that just don't exist for an offense that needs all the help it can get with Eli Manning. With Daniel Jones, you are now able to do a couple more things, including the RPO game, including moving the pocket over. I'm not talking scrambling, doing Carson Wentz types crazy stuff. I'm just talking simple, simple, just picking up a random first down here and there, similar to how Dak Prescott can do it. Because Dak Prescott's not burning the world on fire when he runs, but he picks his spots, he's effective at it, and I think Dan Jones can do that early in his career when he's not super comfortable just hanging around the pocket all day. No, I have a question. So we play uh, we play Tampa Bay uh, this week coming up, and who, who do we play week week uh, four? The Patriots. You know, the top of your head. No, we play we play we play a not so uh, not so great defense in, in week four. I forget who it is. I'll look it up. Keep going. Yeah, but do you think that he has the chance to go to to win one of these games over the next two weeks? Okay, so we have the Buccaneers this week, the Redskins, the Vikings, and the Patriots. So the Vikings defense is really good. The Patriots defense is incredible, and it's at Foxborough. So we're not even going to talk about that. Um, The Buccaneers and the Redskins, I think they're closer to average teams, and the Giants are clearly below average. Um, Obviously, the Bucs have their turnover issues. The Redskins don't have a very dynamic offense. So that could help out the Giants' defense. Now, talking about what Dan Jones can do, you know, the the Giants, t- just as Eli has done over the past three years, has struggled to score over 21 points in the first two weeks. The Cowboys' defense is awesome. The Bills' defense is really good. So is it just that? Maybe. But I think in these next two weeks, we can see Daniel Jones put, o- put up over 21, which isn't that much to ask in today's NFL, but it has been a lot to ask for the Giants over the past three seasons. Well, that's the, that's the reason I bring this up, because you know I think a lot of people said, the four, four weeks, if you were on four, that's when you would resort to, to your to your uh, to, to Dan Jones. But knowing that the Vikings and the Patriots are coming up, do you think that that's why they went in week two, knowing that Daniel Jones can come in with um, some soft defenses? Right. Uh, I think you know, I think it, it's it, fair. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why not? Why you're not going to put him in against the Vikings or Patriots for his first ever start? You're just not going to do it. Um, so the, then you're then you're basically saying we're waiting until week six, uh, week seven against the Cardinals or week eight. I think they're buys before that, um, or now they just have a Thursday. Night. I don't know. I'm looking at the dates. It's confusing me. Sure. Anyways, um, 
if you're not putting him in right now, he's not coming in until their seventh game against the Cardinals. And at that point, you know, are the Giants 0-6? Are the Giants 1-5? and And then what's the point? Like, what's the point of even running Eli out there? So if Daniel Jones get a little confidence, not even saying they win these games, but, you know, they put up 24 points. He throws for a couple touchdowns. The offense is getting first downs on a semi-regular basis. That could be all you need to then be able to build on something over the course of the year. Now let me compare it to the Jets, and this is a little bit of a, you know, lame duck point at this point in time because of the Jets' injuries and Sam Darnold's sickness and all that. But last year, over the past six weeks, the last six weeks of the season, Sam Darnold was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He was putting up awesome numbers. He had an awesome quarterback rating. And the Jets looked at that as a reason to build off that. They had something to look forward to now with Sam Darnold. Now, clearly it didn't work out that way to start the season. But, you know, if Daniel Jones has 14 starts under his belt going into next year, Next year is now a year where the Giants will be willing to spend on the defense and get another weapon. And if Daniel Jones doesn't play till week seven but, and but we go two and 14, too. what are we doing? But, but that's another problem too, right? We've done this before. We've played this game where we spend all of our money on, uh, on you know, mercenaries to come in on the defense, right? And it'll last for a year, but then it, then it all starts to fall apart because your money cut up. They need to be building through the draft, right? And they just don't do that. And when you build through the draft, that money should be used to pay the players that you drafted. Look at look at what the Cowboys are doing, right? They had nobody tied up on big free agents, and now they are able to pay everybody that they drafted, and now have the next six seasons locked up with uh, the best offensive line in football and, and, and the best running back, uh, arguably in football as well. You know, whatever you want to say about in, in right. Saquon. So it's like you know, we we can tie up, we can free up all this money. But this isn't basketball. Right, the, the the NFL is not. Whenever you have the, these super teams via free agency, you know, look at look at like their Eagles a couple of years ago with the, with the uh, uh, Nambi Asimov team, right? When they had that super team, it just falls apart. So it's just, at a certain point, you need to be able to. The Giants just don't draft well, and then as soon as they draft well, they trade them away. Right? I mean, <laughs> everyone from from, from it's, it's the same thing as the Knicks, right? It, it, everybody from the Jerry Reese outside of Sterling Shepard is off the team right now. It's ridiculous. You need to have these people built in to, to take it from, to, to build it from there. And then, you know, I, I just, I don't have faith in this team right now to do that. I mean, I don't see why you should have faith to be honest, but the other the method that has been working for spurts here in the NFL has been, the, like you said, the Cowboys, they hit a lot of drafts out of the park, but if you think about the Rams, the bears and the Eagles, when they had Goff, Trubisky and Wentz on these rookie quarterback deals, they were like, we're spending on defense, we're spending on the line, we're doing what we can because we can afford it right now. And that's what the Jets did, but they did it like a year too early, right? So the Jets this year said, oh, C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, um, oh, who else did they pay? Tremaine Johnson and a couple other people. Like, they spent a lot. The Jets I may have spent most money in the league this offseason. They were probably a year too early. But when you know you have yeah. that quarterback, if Sam, if Sam Darnold wasn't going to kissing parties uh, and playing seven minutes at heaven, you're a competitive team this year. Right, it could be a different story, and that could still change for them once he comes back in week seven, eight, and whatnot. Um, but that's the other method right now in the NFL. You get a young quarterback, and you spend while you don't have to pay the quarterback, and then hopefully by that point, you build up enough draft equity or enough guys who are on their rookie deals who then be cheap while your quarterback becomes more expensive. So you have to find the balance and. I mean, obviously what you said about Gettleman and leaving that $23 million cap hit on Eli this year is the clear mistake that can't be fixed right now. But without moving to Daniel Jones 
sooner than later, that Eli Manning deal just drags on, and and this whole thing keeps going, keeps going. Uh, but before we before we continue on the Giants' future, let's talk about Eli for a second. Did he play? <laughs> did he play his last game? Right, or in week sixteen or seventeen or whatever, when the Giants are three and whatever and are not in any place to really you know make a splash, is Eli getting an, another pity start? Like, is he getting another start? Yeah, they'll, they'll give him a pity. To start. Say, they'll give to him what, they gave, what, what the Yankees gave a round. Which that's another question. New York has such a horrible, horrible record of franchise stars in their last, you know, their, their last couple seasons with the team. I mean, you look at the the Patrick Ewings, you look at the Eli Mannings now, the Phil Sims of the world. Like, at a certain point, we, people need to, even the Yankees have botched things with, like, A-Rod to an extent. Like, and, and I guess that's kind of a bad example because A-Rod didn't try to sue for the Yankees. <laughs> and I guess the Yankees don't really owe them, owe them anything. But, like, we need to start, like, ha, ha, this isn't the 90s anymore. Nobody's going to come to New York um because it's New York, right? They can get the same money in, in Indiana and, and or wherever they want to play it. You need to be able to treat your stars well here, especially someone like Eli, who has been the, I, I would go as far to say Eli was the best professional, like just like sports professional in my lifetime in New York. Outside, you know, of, outside able, of Jeter? Like, yeah. No, I'd say he is better than Jeter. Wow. I, don't, I think Jeter got away with a lot. Um, I don't think Eli ever said a wrong thing. <laughs> I, I think Eli was talked about a lot. Derek Jeter never got criticism. Um, and Eli did, you know, even the year he won his last Super Bowl, the whole, the whole elite uh, conversation started. That's, that's, I remember Michael K asked if he was elite, and that was the year he won the Super Bowl. He could never win. <laughs> and, yeah. and yet he just took everything with a smile. So he's never complained to the media, did his spots on the, on the, on the talk shows, showed up every week, never made it about him. Um, I don't know. I, I, like, as, as much, I think that this could have been done better than week two, right? It's, it's either, it's either don't bring him back this year uh, coming in or at least wait it out a couple more weeks. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to, to treat him like this. I think it's kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. To be honest, I, I did not expect it. I did not think week two this would be happening this fast. I really didn't. Or week three, I guess, if you want to say, um, when he'll actually get his first start. Right, let's talk about the first two games because he obviously he didn't look he didn't look great. You said it yourself. He by far was not the problem on on the team, but he wasn't the solution. So do you think by dragging it out, like other than just like giving him respect for dragging it out? Like, would it have actually been better in week seven or would it have still been pretty crappy? I think it would have been better towards the end of the season because I, I think Eli would have understood it a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I'm not in his head, but Eli did that to Kurt Warner, right? Um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit more palatable in week 10 than it is in week two, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I, think, I think that you just got to wait it out a little bit longer uh, to see what's going to happen there. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to pull it up as we speak here. I'm pretty sure Kurt, Kurt Warner had the Giants at like three and five, right? Like he, yeah, yeah. They, we, we, <laughs> and, and Kurt Warner wasn't happy about it, and 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 I mean, you look at you look at what he's done. Like the first two games, it, it's really hard to 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 get on Eli. I mean, who is he even throwing to? You know, I mean, he even made a point. He's like, you know. He's not missing his passes. There's nobody open. <laughs> yeah. You don't have any receivers out there that are quality. I think he missed. He, he even said something about it. Like you know, 
he's like, I think I missed one 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 throw to to Ingram, uh, to Ingram. But other than that, there was nobody open that entire those entire two games. Uh, you can't throw to anybody if your only legitimate receiver is Sterling Shepard, and he is in concussion protocol, uh, and Golden Tate is is suspended. Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of completions to Cody Core. You're not going to get a lot of complete, completions uh, to TJ Jones, right? Like, you have practice squad guys out there. I don't think it was Eli's fault, and, and I don't know that you know it was even the offense's fault because when when your when your defense is can, is is giving up third and long with every uh, every play they're getting a first down like third and fifteen, uh, your your offense is going to have to pass the ball. It breaks down the entire offense, right? You can't run the ball anymore, which is what the, the offense is based off of. You need to have a semblance of defense for your for your offense to work. Uh, <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um you 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 can't if you know you're gonna throw every every play the demon's gonna game plan that and, and you're not gonna get away with it because you don't have an Odell Beckham Jr. anymore right and if you're just gonna hand it off to Saquon all game like after a while they're just gonna put nine guys in the box and it's not gonna work either um and, and you can you can tell that the offense is working too because the Giants scored on their first drive both games Right, really quickly, the offense is fine with with running bad. the ball too. With running the ball right down the throat of the defense, but as soon as their defense gives up points, and it's like, oh, we need to pass now, and then it's over. Uh, real quick though, it's, it's, Kurt it's, Warner, yeah, sure. four and one to start that season in, in two thousand four. Then four and two, five and two, five and three, five and four, and at five and four, they pulled Kurt Warner, and Eli came in and went one and six for the rest of the season. Now yeah. that, that sounds like like that's a different universe. Like when that happened, it was controversial. So we kind of forget it, like right, because we because Eli was able to actually put a blanket on that the next year, the next couple of years. Where we're like, oh, you know, that stunk because we were five and four and we thought we had a chance to compete, and then all of a sudden we just drop Kurt Warner and go with Eli, and he goes one and six. But over the next couple of years, we're like, oh no, that may have been the right decision. Is there a chance now? Yeah. That we don't just like I I think it's obvious, but is there a chance now that we say, "Thank God we did it when we did it," because we actually should have done it a year ago? I, I guess I don't think I don't think anything would have made me happier this year because they should have did this two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, there was no real right way to do it, but I think if you committed to him this year, you have to give him as long of a leash as possible because we're not winning anything this year. No, like, you know, I, I look at the Knicks and I'm hopeful that we can fight for an eighth seed or whatever it is. There was no way I went into the season with the Giants with anything more than, hey, I'm excited to see some of the young guys and hope they do well, right? There was no expectation that we could beat any anybody who was an above-average team this year. But isn't the only young guy that matters Dan Jones? I don't think so. I, I think that you have potential playmakers who you drafted, right? I think... And, and and a on the offense, you also have people like Saquon Barkley, right? Who is arguably the best running back in baseball, right? And, excuse me, in football. Also the best um, running back in baseball, probably too. Probably he could he could Barry Sanders. It. Um, you have Evan Ingram, who has looked really good, <laughs> and his one knock always going in it was that he couldn't block. He's a good blocker. Uh, and then you have Sterling Shepard, who you're excited to play to see play, right? He could be a really good receiver on this team going forward for the next. 10 years if he doesn't get lippy and we trade him off to Cleveland. Um, I think that there's a lot of people you want to see this year develop. Uh, the offensive line, you want to see the offensive line get better and better because I think 
that's the one thing that Gettleman has done right is fix. I think he's fixed the offensive line. Now you can build on it, right? So like you know, there's still Soder and and Remmers on, on the tackles, but you can you now have a really good uh, and and, uh, and and what's his name at center, but Calapio, you, still, you have Calapio. a really yeah. Who who's the fine? And you have you know two really good guards and Soder's average, and then you know you, you build on that now. Like you you you've done a, a one eighty transformation on that offensive line. This looks a lot better. And then on the defense, I, I, you know, I want to see Jareel Peppers. I want to see DeAndre Baker, and I want to see them get better, and, and Dexter Lawrence and, and Julian Love. But, you know, I, I think that there's more to see this season than just Daniel Jones. That's fair, and we're going to see it. Now we're going to see it no matter what, and we're going to see it with a rookie quarterback at the helm, and it can go horribly wrong. It really can. Uh, what's the, like, the worst-case scenario for Daniel Jones? Like, what can you feasibly imagine – to see this actually just go terribly wrong. What does it have to do with like, you know, what's, what's your worst case scenario now moving forward? Well, I'll frame it like this. You know, I, I always was a fan of letting a quarterback uh, sit on the bench until they're ready. But then I, I, I somebody said something uh, on sports radio this morning, that, that I, that if, if they are going to have the struggles and you're worried about them having struggles and not being able to pick up, then they're not going to make it in the league anymore. Right. So, what I what I, what I think would be the worst case scenario is if he just doesn't handle adversity well. Um, you know, if if you if you could see him be downtrodden in the next game because he threw a bad pick at the end of the game that lost us the game, and he doesn't have that short memory, that's what's going to be upsetting. That that's all I really care about. I want to see him be being a gunslinger all season long, right? Not being afraid to air it out. If it gets picked, it gets picked. Nobody cares this year. Um, you know, you have the excuse of no uh, receivers or whatever. I just want to see you be confident all year. If you're not confident, that's where the problem's going to be. So you don't want to see him babied. I think that's a really good point, too, because there were times over the past two and a half seasons, three seasons, even to that 11-5 and five year uh, under McAdoo, where you looked at that offense and it was like, all right, we are trying our absolute best to basically hide Eli and make him do – the least amount of possible. We're not going to, there was no blocking. He was a passenger. Right. He was a passenger to the offense. There was no blocking. So we had to make sure he got rid of the ball ASAP because he can't move. We need to make the offense work for Eli. But now with this leash that Daniel Jones has to be the starter for 14 games, you want to see the full gambit, the full playbook, Pat Shermer, get it deep in his bag of trips and let it rip, right? Like what's to hide, what's to lose. Let's let's keep Daniel Jones's demeanor high. If his demeanor stays good through those interceptions, through a random strip sack, through losses after losses, that's the best sign possible. That's a great point by you. I appreciate it. I make good points. <laughs> and and this is this is where you know Shermer Shermer has to do what we brought Shermer in for, right? We brought Shermer in because he's that QB whisperer. He's the guy who made Case Keenum a borderline MVP. So if this is what you are, then you know put your money down. Let's 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 make it. Let's make a system around Daniel Jones. Uh, let's let's you know open up some plays and be creative with it, and we'll do it. Uh, I I the defense is going to be what it is, but just still be creative when we're losing. That's that's what I asked for, right? Right. To, let to let it rip. Just, Don't hold back. Let it rip. Yeah. So. All right. So um, let me ask yeah. you. Let me ask you a few a few quick hitting questions here. Um, Will Will Pat Shermer be the coach of the Giants next season? Next season, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Confident. 
Yeah, he, he's got the leash for, for Dan, he, Dan. Dan Jones is his guy. He's got a two-year leash on him. Okay. If, if he's doing poorly. You know, if you're going to be making a system around him, you got to – if he's your guy, you give him the chance. Unless you want to be like what the Jets did with Todd Bowles, which I don't think is the way to do it. Right. Like you also, want to get Todd to Bowles a guy, was a defensive coach, so that kind of makes sense there too, you know? You, you, Pat Sherman needs to create an identity, identity for this team. Same thing with, with, with Fizdale with the Knicks. We have no identity right now. Create one. Once you create one, good or bad, make it work. Then lean into that, that, that identity. Offensive skill players outside of Saquon Barkley, how many remain next year? I, uh, I, I think you, I think you keep, well, you have Golden Tate on, on contract. So you're not getting rid right. of him. Forgot about you're him. St- you have Sterling Shepard and you have uh, Evan Ingram. Everybody else is replaceable. Mm-hmm. But oh. I think that's good because I I think the Giants, I forget the guy's name. I want to say Jerry or something like that, the, the wide receiver who's getting in the draft this year. I think they're in a prime position to get him. Jerry, Jerry Judy. Oh, my gosh. That would be, that guy's a yeah. stud. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that I think that's the guy that you know that's that's who you gun for in the draft this year. Yeah, I mean, unless you have one of these like elite pass rushers like Miles Garrett or you know, but, but at the same the- time, like at the same time, you know, it, 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 and, and I just keep layering back and forth. But when it comes to the money you have to spend, maybe maybe you just go you spend it on on on, on the uh, um, on the defense this year, and I think that. The NFL is becoming like the NBA, and it's becoming you know players decide where they want to go and whatnot, and more and more and more, and it's like an like an exponential rate. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Jalen Ramsey comes to the Giants, and Giants spend all their money to to to, to extend him or whatever the case is. You got a couple of people like that signing uh, signing trades. I think that that could be a way to do it as well. Right, and I guess when you think about free agency in football, it is rare for real game-changing receivers to to change teams until it's, like, later in their career. Um, but it is not right, rare. Like Odell Beckham Jr. Right, and it's not rare. Well, he got traded. That's different. I'm talking, like, free agency. Uh, when uh, you, it's not that rare, though, for a pretty impactful defensive player to change just when their contract's up because they're not typically as prioritized as quarterbacks, running backs, and – well, not running backs right now, but skill players in general. So – who would have thought last year when CJ Mosley was wrecking offenses for the Ravens that right, he would have exactly. signed with the Jets, you know, like, so exactly. maybe that, that, is, that is the method there. Um, so, I, I mean, there, there are some things now to look forward to. And I think this is one of the most important things for me personally, as a fan of the giants, I want to keep their game on TV. Now, like the past two weeks, I was more than happy to flip back between red zone and the giants game because I didn't feel like I was missing much when the Giants game wasn't on my television, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now, no, with, yep. with Dan Jones, I want to be locked in to every offensive possession we have. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm with you. I thought I lost you there for a second. Yeah, so like... No, no, and I, I think I think it's even, you know, from a national perspective, like, nobody in the world wanted to watch the Giants and Eli Manning play other than seeing some Saquon Barkley highlights. Now, a lot of people around the league are going to be like, Huh. Let's see what Dan Jones has to offer. Like they have something to look forward to now every single Sunday. How about how about this NFL though uh, this season? I mean, I think I might be, I think it maybe it's maybe it's just recency bias, but this might be the craziest first two weeks 
in in football memory for me. I mean, you have eight backup quarterbacks starting in week three. You have um, Lincoln Fitzpatrick gets traded to the Steelers for some reason. I don't understand why they wasted a pick that might end up being a top five pick. Jalen Ramsey's demanding a trade. Jamal Adams is, it looks like he's demanding a trade as well. This, this first two weeks has been wild. Antonio Brown, you know, like it, it, it's just been crazy. It has been, it's been absurd. And we still have a, you know, a premier running back in Melvin Gordon who's holding out. And I don't think he's winning the holdout. I think it's so funny. Like, you know, you, we were talking before, you said it, uh, the NFL is not the NBA. A lot of the NFL players want the NFL to become the NBA, but unfortunately, like the Melvin Gordon equ- uh, equivalent in the NBA is like a borderline all-star type guy who is never going to hold out because there's a team in the league that's going to pay for him. Yep. But in the NFL, yep. and the way rosters are constructed and the salary cap and the importance of some positions versus others and the longevity of some positions versus others, it's just not the same. So maybe some teams are going to be able to take advantage of it, but a lot of these players are not putting up with absolute crap and absolute terrible teams. I think that's a positive sign because how much harder is it going to be for the Dolphins to, quote, trust the process and tank properly when their first-round pick from last year, who's seemingly a cornerstone of their franchise, can't even imagine playing another game with them. <laughs> you know, like, so it, it is insane. It's it's crazy, and this is unmarked territory for the NFL. Like, who's the who's the equivalent in the NBA of Melvin Gordon? Is it somebody like C.J. McCollum, maybe? Right? Like maybe? I think it's Julius Randle. It's Julius yeah, Randle. <laughs> perfect. It's Julius Randle, and he just got a three-year, 17-mil-per-year contract because – like that's what the leverage NBA players have. And some of these players in the NFL desperately want that leverage and just don't have it yet. Some in certain positions, obviously quarterbacks, certain wide receivers and certain defensive players have been able to navigate this leverage play and get away from the dolphins and get on the Steelers, which is an organization you could imagine somebody like Megan Fitzpatrick is much happier to be with. Is he though? I mean, I I, I don't, I think that, I, I don't mean to just talk about the, the, that trade, but that's a, the, the most preposterous trade in the world to me. You, you, you have a quarterback. They, they have no plan in place for, for their, their backup quarterback. They didn't draft anyone, right? They don't have a Daniel Jones or anything like that. They're going to lose a lot of games. They have no Le'Veon Bell anymore. They have no, they have no Antonio Brown. Why would you lose that first round? That first round pick is invaluable. It could be a top 10 pick. It could be. But if I you guaranteed to be a top ten pick, I mean, you know, the the Steelers still do have an infrastructure in place. Mike Tomlin's never have a losing season. Like Mason Rudolph is, yeah. he's kind of their Daniel Jones in a way. I mean, he was a third round pick, so it's a little different. But he's now been behind Ben for you know a full season, and they may have some trust in him. They may say we think Mason Rudolph can get us eight wins and have a chance at a wild card. And who knows what they think inside that room? I mean, granted. It was just a couple of uh, quarters, but he didn't look terrible. He looked pretty decent uh, in his first couple of drives with the Steelers and, the, and their number ones, and and who knows what happens. Maybe he connects with Juju, and he connects with James Washington, who is his um, actual star receiver in college. Uh, Mason Rudolph and James Washington were on the same college team, and they were connected all game long back then. So if you're the Steelers and you put all your eggs in to be a winning team this, this year uh, – why not go for it? And do you think you're guaranteed to get a player better than Minka Fitzpatrick with a with a number ten pick in the draft? That's what it comes down to as well. Yeah, uh, number ten, I take my chances. Really? I mean, he's a guy who people yeah. 
really love and think is extremely talented. So I, I think for I, them, I put it this way because I think the Giants are in a similar situation. I want to make Fitzpatrick. I want to get no more than a second round pick. I think a second round pick is the exact value he's worth. That's for, fair for where 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 they're going to be in the draft. Absolutely not. Yeah, it, it's a fair point. I think they'll know everything they need to know in three weeks' time. I mean, if he could compete, if he can keep them in games and possibly win two games in the next three, then they're going to be they're going to be pleased with their decision. If he looks helpless and he looks like not the answer, then they're going to be like, "Damn it, we just wasted a top ten pick." So it, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's a risky risky business they're they're running over there in Pittsburgh. Um, all right, we're gonna. Let's do this. So I, before we say goodbye here, I want to give you the last call at the end of this podcast to just, you know, give your last thoughts, your thank yous, your goodbyes, whatever you want to do to Eli Manning. But before we get to that, let's just hop around the league super duper quick because I know you've been locked in to week one and week two. You've had your wagers uh, out on <laughs> on your games, and you've been involved with, with all the teams basically. So give me, give me uh, a team or two that you have been pleasantly surprised with and just been like, damn, they are better than I thought, or they, this is a real contender? Uh, pleasantly surprised, I don't want to use that word, but the Cowboys are the best team in, in football, I think. Wow. It, like, hands, hands down. To hear you um, say that is crazy, by the way. Yeah. And and I don't really think it's like, you know me, I'm, 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 I'm no Dak uh, guy <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but... He has a lot of weapons this year on the offense. He has a happy offensive line that's all paid. They have defensive playmakers, which I don't really remember the last time the uh, uh, the Cowboys had this many defensive playmakers. And 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 when you have Randall, I, people, for some reason, people hate on Randall Cobb. I don't really get it. When he's your third receiver, it's just injury like, history. That's, that's it. Just injury history. Yeah, he's you know, and, and you have you have. Like the perfect veteran in Jason Witten, and like I know he he's, he took a year off and everything, but Jason Witten will always be open in the end zone. Just he'll always <laughs> he, you you could put him in there at age eighty five in a walker, and he's going to be open in the end zone. Like they just have they have somebody at every every position this year. Like and and the Patriots are the Patriots, but I, I the NFC and, and just the league itself in, in the state that it is right now. I'm afraid of the Cowboys. And I don't really think I have that. I don't really have that situation with any other team in, in football right now. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I, you know, there's, there's the Patriots and the Chiefs, but what other teams are better than the Cowboys right now? Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to really disagree. You can make the argument, uh, you know, they played the Giants and they played the Redskins, two teams expected to finish third and fourth, respectively. Can't fault the, so the Patriots, though, right? The, 100%. Who's the Patriots play? Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I will just add one other team who I think could be in that conversation, and I think it's the Green Bay Packers. So the Packers, on the flip side, their offense has looked, you know, pretty mediocre so far to this point. But you think about a new coach, uh, and the fact that they played two of the best defenses in the league in Chicago and Minnesota, and they put enough points on the board. Their defense has looked awesome. I think their defense looks like the Cowboys' defense with playmakers and pass rushers and a good d- defensive backfield. Um, so I think the Packers, when we see them able to like pile on a bad team, we may say, all right, the Packers are here to play too and here to stay. But the Cowboys, man, have been so freaking impressive. Now, Michael Gallup goes down with the injury. He should only be out for a couple weeks. But for them, it shouldn't be a big deal because Randall Cobb is more than capable to become a number two. Mark Cooper's awesome. Blake Jarwin's not a bad player. And their defense is freaking fast, man. They fly around the football field and they – 
they're going to be a scary team to play. And I thought the Eagles were the, the sure bet in that uh, division. They're going to have a freaking hard time to keep up with the Cowboys and their consistency out of Dak Prescott, who's their leader and their quarterback. Like, he is just so solid throughout. He's not going to wow you that often, but he's making the right play, and he's getting you to the promised land more often than not. It's it's impressive. And I don't, I don't want to call you out, but, you know, two years ago, you were pretty, pretty out on Dak Prescott. Like, how how much have you seen him change versus how much have you seen what's around him change? You know, like, how much is on I think, him? I, I think Dak Prescott's most defining attribute is that he – and he's he's like a system quarterback, and like and I don't mean that as a negative, right? He is a perfect quarterback for that system. He, you put you game things like like, and I hate Jason Garrett, but like whoever's calling those plays for him, they know exactly how to make that offense flow. It yeah. just always flows, and that's their and, new that's and, their new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Yeah, so I, I I don't really think it's him, but he's doing what they ask him to do, and like you can't I can't fault him for that. I, I still don't think he's that good. I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> and he's looked awesome. I, I, I just. I, no, I feel he, you. He, this is this is his first time. But, but like, and like, this is where I think that the the, the Giants and the Redskins come into play is that uh, he's had all day to throw that ball. <laughs> he had when, I, and I watched obviously the, uh, the the Giants game more than I watched the the Redskins game, but. When he was when he, when he played the Giants, he had no less than seven seconds to throw that ball each time, each play. Yeah, I mean, and the Cowboys are going to be a walking four and L because they have the Dolphins this week, and then they have the Saints. I mean, it's in New Orleans, but it's not Drew Brees. Teddy's obviously maybe the best backup in the league, possibly, right? But you're going to give the Cowboys a pretty fair advantage there. But the the matchup, I just cannot wait to see Packers at Cowboys. October 6th, 4 o'clock game of the week. That's the matchup right there. The Cowboys are going to be 4-0. There's a chance the Packers could be 4-0. And that could be, for all of us, a game where we say, damn, we got two monsters in the NFC. Uh, question. Are the Niners good? Um, <laughs> I'm not sold. So I'm not sold on the Niners. I think Shanahan is just freaking awesome at what he's doing right now. He's using so many different guys, constantly giving different looks to the defense. He he has no real stars on his offense, but I think it was something crazy like six different people had carries and or six people six different people had catches and four different people had carries and and, and all this crazy stuff that that he's able to do with that offense right now. I don't trust Jimmy G. I don't think the Bucks and the Bengals are two like really good teams. I think they're slightly below average teams. So I want to see the Rams, I mean the the Niners go into the Rams, play the Seahawks, get some of those divisional games in, and then I will maybe anoint the Niners as a playoff threat. But I still look at them as an 8 and 8 team with some sneaky upside. I uh, you could tell if you told me that you thought they were going to be 10 and 6, you told me they were going to be 3 and 13. I I I wouldn't have argued. Yeah, like I mean realistically <laughs> I, I have no idea what they are. We just frankly haven't seen enough out of Jimmy G. Like he looked really good against the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are not a good, and then the good though, team. Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's the thing, though. Like, I, I'm a bit. I, I'm always a proponent. You can't fault a team for winning the games that they're supposed. To, of course, right? of course. But, and like, I think a lot of people try to take away from uh, you know teams when they do that. It's, it's an important part of being a good team. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. If you can go, go into another team's home field and win handedly by 15 plus points. 
nothing like no negative should be spewed out. I agree. And at the end of the day, when Jimmy Garoppolo plays, Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. <laughs> what I it's want, kind of crazy. What I want to see now is week four, Niners at home. They got the Browns, and the Browns are a little bit of a wreck, but they got off the schneid. Can they win um, this week coming up? Uh, me and Kevin actually talked about that earlier in the game, like in in the podcast. But Niners Browns week four, the Browns have a legitimate defensive line, a legitimate pass rush. I want to see Jimmy G with somebody in his grill, and then we'll have some real decisions to make if this guy's ready to go. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm t- yeah, I'll tell you, on the opposite of the of the Cowboys, I think the Browns are not going to be a good team this year. That's that's my big take. Um, I think that all right, they, they won yesterday handedly. Uh, you know, you put me and you out there just playing one, two of us out there. We might have we might have scored a couple of touchdowns on the Jets yesterday. They no, the Jets defense horrible. looked the Jets defense looked all right. If you put right, us in, if you put us in as DBs, we might actually swatted some balls down. Maybe is the real answer. <laughs> but the, the, that jet, that Jets team was never going to win that game yesterday, no. right? No and, and they they still um, looked pretty like undisciplined. Baker Mayfield does not look great. No, right? he does not. Uh, and, and like, trust me, I've watched Odell Beckham for the past two for the past six years or ever he was on the Giants. He has not done that slant around a lot in the past two years. He just has, and that's been his big thing, right? We didn't know if he could still do that anymore, right? Because of, um, because of his uh, the the injury history, is he still willing to go over the middle like that? He made one catch though. Uh, it was like a a comeback to the outside, like towards the sideline. He jumped up, caught it, got hit from the back and the front, got sandwiched, held on, and that was a, a catch for me where I was like, okay, Odell looks confident again. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think their offensive line is good either. No, they they have some real problems up there for sure. But wait, one one more thing. I don't want to I want to go too too much longer here. Um, you you did mention, and I totally agree. You got to beat the team in front of you, especially when you go into another team's arena and try to beat them on their home field. That's always hard, no matter what team it is, except maybe the Dolphins. Um, but it does matter to think about who teams have beaten when you're talking about power rankings, when you're talking about moving forward, and. You know, you, when you see the Ravens put up 57 on the Dolphins, you're probably not going to expect them to do that every single week. And, and that's really all I mean about the Niners. Like, I, I want to see them be challenged. Like you said about Daniel Jones, how do you act with adversity? How do you act when you get pushed into the ground? That's what I need to see out of the teams like the Niners and the Browns and, and some other teams, especially when you got to go up against the Cowboys, the Packers, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Rams, uh, and even a team like the Seahawks and, and some others around town. So I think we have a really exciting season on our hands. A couple pure juggernauts at top on each conference with the Patriots, Chiefs, I think I think Cowboys and Packers, but we'll see who else arrives uh, in each conference there. But, Alec, I want to give you your last licks here. Eli Manning, your life as a Giants fan, it's come to an end. You mentioned your sadness. Just wrap it up for us. Give your thank yous. Say your goodbyes. What do you, what do you got for us on Eli Manning? no longer being the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. Eli will always be my quarterback. To, to quote Terrell Owens, that's my quarterback, man. Um, I, you can never take away his two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, I know people will always say that, that that Tyree catch was was a freak catch. What he was able to do in, in those two, in the two big plays that everyone's going to always remember for him, that David Tyree catch, people forget it about how he extended that play and got out there to make that throw. 
and then that Mario Manningham perfect throw on the sideline. Those are two of the best plays in Super Bowl history. He legitimately earned Super Bowl MVP uh, twice. When people say that the, the, the only reason we won those Super Bowls is because of the defense, the offense scored those scored those touchdowns. We need to give him credit. He dethroned two of the greatest teams of all time in the Patriots team that he beat. Uh, and he is, in my opinion, a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and you can never take that away from him. That being said, let's go Dan Jones. I love it. That was beautiful. I think uh, I think everybody needs to hear that. You know, there is some good, there's some bad, there's some ugly. But the good, when you look back on the whole body of work, should outweigh some of those other downfalls because they were magical runs. They were amazing. He did some awesome things with some not great talented players around him. You just said Mario Manningham. Think about Steve Smith, David Tyree, Kevin Boss. These are guys who whose careers did not exist once they walked away from Eli Manning. It is nothing to laugh at. It is something to be proud of. We'll look back on it with much much better memories in a couple years when Eli officially hangs up those cleats. But shout out to a true professional, the the quarterback in New York over the past 16 years who stabilized an organization for about 12 of them, and it was a great time to be a Giants fan despite some of the trials and tribulations that he experienced. Two magical runs really do, when you look back on the whole body of work, outweigh a lot of those downfalls and create some magical memories. So that's Amen, it, brother. That's it, man. Now we have Daniel Jones to look forward to. I know you have some Yankees playoffs to look forward to. The Mets have maybe another week or two of competitive ball to maybe play. Uh, but you will be back on the podcast soon, I hope, to talk some Yankees and some MLB playoffs. Am I right? Yeah, before we go, I've been, wait- I've been waiting to say it all podcast. Uh, because the news will be out there by the time you post post this. Um, Dylan Batanzas tore his Achilles celebrating on the mound yesterday. No way. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, came back for one game, tore his Achilles. <laughs> That's rough. That is just rough, man. I'm sorry to hear it. Next man up. Next man up. That's what y'all done all year long. Why stop now? The Yankees are a well-oiled machine. Oh, man. It's good stuff. All right. Alec Argento, any last words after your Dellen Batanzas injury news? <laughs> Go Yanks. Go Yanks. Sports Blog New York Podcast. We'll be back. More football, more baseball, and some sneaky NBA training camp opening in like two weeks, Alec. Two weeks NBA training camp. It's time. RJ going dunk on KP. That's right. It's time for sports to retake over my life, and I'm very, very happy about it. You can do the same. Stay here with us on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening.